Welcome to the Crooked Table. The Crooked Table, do it. Oh, it might have a new intro there. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this episode, we're going to take a break from the film reviews. You can already read my take on The Shape of Water on CrookedTable.com. Reviews of Paddington Tune and I, Tanya, will be coming up soon. And we're going to go behind the scenes a little bit regarding my approach to film criticism. So basically, I'm going to share my criteria for how I rate movies. This is, of course, uh, you know, my approach has evolved over the years. And the fundamental purpose of applying a rating to a film is to delineate whether a film is successful in its thesis. So... You know, like Siskel and Ebert had their thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm, I normally go by the five-star scale. And of course, this kind of thing is completely subjective. But right now, we're living in the age of Rotten Tomatoes and insane fan rivalries looking at you, Marvel versus DC. Um, so it's important to remember the rationale behind why critics reach their ultimate verdict. And that really, those ratings aren't as much of what, what uh, fans and audiences should concern themselves with as much as the content of the reviews. But of course, as it all, as you know, people so often do, scroll to the uh, bottom of a review to see the rating, or skip to the end of a video to see a rating, or the end of a podcast to get the verdict. Um, you know, it's, it's especially, it's, it's film, and it's just like every other form of art, and it's completely depending on, on an individual experience. You might see one thing and, and love it, while the other person might think it's the worst piece of shit ever. And I think that's what's beautiful about uh, art in general, and especially cinema, and why it's fun to do this podcast and and write articles and contribute to things to to add to that conversation and get get that debates going about what is ultimately entertainment. Um, so so in keeping with the subjectivity involved in film criticism or for, for criticism of any form of art, really, there are a bunch of criteria that one can cling to to sort of form their own opinion. And as we do so often on this show, we're going to talk about six. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about flicks and me. Let's talk about what the good films and the bad films are to me. Let's talk about six. Let's talk about six. So, so as I've alluded to, we're going to be talking about the six criteria for me that I consider when I'm coming to a one to five star rating for a film. And we're going to rank these in relative order of importance. So number six, rewatchability. We used to watch, obviously, you know, as a kid growing up, I watched a lot of uh, movies with my family and that kind of thing. We'd actually used to make choices and we used to put out, um, you know, five or ten movies, depending on if my brother and I were doing it together or if one person was doing it. And we used to often pick from our own personal library. And um, a lot of times we would see the same films over and over again. So... That's not something that's 100% critical when it comes to rating a movie, because I think there are films that are, uh, that are really strong accomplishments that um, work on, on uh, well, some of the other criteria that we'll get to in a little bit, but that you don't necessarily want to revisit, that, you don't, that was like a very intense or emotionally draining experience, or something that was not necessarily uh, super entertaining, but something that, that um, made, uh, made an impact on you in another way. Um, those films will not be rewatchable. This, that's why I'm putting this lowest of the six. The movies that I want to go back and rewatch again and again, a lot of the Jim Carrey comedies I grew up with, or you know, a lot of the Star Wars movies or the Marvel films, those kinds of things, those are fun to rewatch and revisit. Um, 
or you know something like uh, The Shape of Water, as I mentioned, that I gave a very positive review on CricketTable.com. That kind of thing. You want to go back and see if you can catch some of the nuance or to experience that story and go on that journey again. Uh, the Lord of the Rings would be a perfect example. That trilogy is something that a lot of people watch regularly or annually or whatever just because that it has such an epic scope and the story is so well told that you want to you want to just go on that ride again basically it's the cinematic equivalent of if you're at a theme park and you get off a roller coaster and you're like let's go on that again and you jump back in the line um so that is definitely something i take into consideration when i'm forming my movie reviews but it's not necessarily something that i put the most emphasis on because ultimately you're rating the quality of the film as an experience not necessarily as an experience that you want to have over and over again Number five, personal bias. So we try and review these things objectively as much as possible, the merits of a film, whether the director and the writer and the team behind it um, executed the vision that they had for the film uh, to, the, to a T or you know, exceeded expectations or, or you know, whether it's exceptional in any particular way. However, there is a small part of me, and this is why, again, why this is pretty low on this list, there's a small part of me that is, of course, affected by personal bias. So will I you know, give a little extra nudge to Power Rangers, the, the film from last year, the reboot, just because I grew up with Power Rangers and it resonates with me in a different, uh, on a different level than it might for someone that has no connection to that franchise. Of course. Uh, you know, and I, and I think it's important to account for that and put that up front uh, just to, you know, to, to help boost the credibility of the review itself. Uh, you know, that being said, I enjoy the the most recent Ninja Turtles movies, I wouldn't say they're good, but I gave them sort of middling reviews because I feel like as a fan, if those films seem like they're made uh, in some small part or in, you know, maybe a large part for fans of the animated series from the 80s and the films from the 90s, I feel like that kind of thing is, um, you know, you have to take that into account that the film was being made not only for children now who are going to see a, that movie, but also for adults like me who grew up with the toys and knowing what the technodrome is and, and the fact that they're bringing those things to the screen has a certain thrill inherently. Of course, that doesn't take away all the extra, all the other flaws of that particular project, but it, it, it helps for me to elevate it a little bit. Am I a little you know predisposed to liking anything with Batman or the Muppets or Star Wars uh, or anything like that? Of course. But that being said, if a movie is not that great, I will share my misgivings as well as what I, what I connected to about it. Number four, ambition. Now, this is an interesting one because this is not necessarily whether a film pulls off something, but what it's trying to accomplish. I think of something like Cloud Atlas, the Wachowski, uh, the Wachowski movie from, what was that, 2013 or 2012, one of those and um, that movie has such an impressive scope and, and it has, it's trying to convey this, this deeper meaning of the way, that, <clears throat> the way that one person's life causes a ripple effect throughout history, that, um, how art can influence subsequent generations and essentially change the world over time. And that movie has a lot going for it. There are certain things that I, didn't work for me, but the fact that it, it has that it, it tries for something. And this is something that the Wachowskis do pretty much in just about every film that they put out, um, you know, go, going back to The Matrix and even Bound to a certain extent. They, they swing really big with their movies. They try really hard to make something that audiences have never seen. Sometimes that doesn't work or sometimes that's divisive. I know Cloud Atlas, Cloud Atlas was sort of divisive or something like um, Speed Racer, again, a Wachowski movie. 
I think last year, the perfect example of this is Mother, which didn't 100% work for me. I didn't find it. First of all, it wasn't rewatchable. Um, going back to number six for me personally. But um, he tried, Aronofsky tries for something uh, really profound in that movie. And whether it works for you or not, you have to admire the fact that he pulls it off, that he, he made it happen. He made a movie that, uh, from a specific vision that no one else could have made. I think also of Kevin Smith's movies, the most recent ones. Yeah, Yoga Hosers and Tusk are not the best movies, but he tries for something in there. And for that, you have to give him a little bit of credit. So that's to me what ambition is. And I think that also helps with films that I did enjoy, like Blade Runner 2049. Pushing that a little higher is the fact that it, it, it's living up, trying to live up to this cult classic film and doing so on such a uh, on such a grand scale with all these effects and all these mind-blowing visuals and, and a story that harkens back to the original but also maintaining a lot of the mystique surrounding it. So ambition is definitely a key element of, uh, of a movie review that I write. Trying to take into account what the uh, what the filmmakers were were shooting for number three technical precision now this doesn't have to necessarily be uh, storytelling this could be like this could be really detailed things like going back to last year something like baby driver and the way that the music is uh timed with um with the action on screen with the movements with the you know the gunfight with uh the car chases and that kind of thing the way that there's such attention to detail, that's why something like, Edgar Wright is really great at this, something like Scott Pilgrim, where every little detail is, you, you know, was like agonized over to make that film as rich as it is. Or something like Dunkirk, where the editing and the visuals and the storytelling, the structure is so uh, precise and deliberate that you, um, you know, you have to, you have to sort of, kind of appraise the the mastery that the uh, cinematographer or the editor or the visual effects team or you know the production design for something like Shape of Water or pretty much any other Guillermo del Toro film that kind of thing you have to account for the technical precision involved in the skill to make what uh, to make what you're seeing on screen and that of course for me a movie could be technically precise but still be boring as hell that doesn't mean that I'm going to give it a positive review, but I mean that I'm going to I'm going to pinpoint the things about it that I do like, and it's going to ultimately contribute to the rating that I give it when all is said and done. Something like uh, Darkest Hour, which I recently saw, it's not the uh, it's not the richest film for me personally. Like it, I it's not something I would rewatch. It's not something that I'm personally you know I'm not a tremendous fan of of historic dramas really. Uh, but that film is technically precise, and it and uh, in its performances and its um, in its production design, in its uh, in its effort to recreate the World War II era from the English perspective, and I think that a lot of movies that maybe falter on the storytelling thing because I feel like that is more probably is the more subjective side of it, whereas technical precision is probably is probably the easiest part of a film to be objective about whether or not something is carried out. Um, in, a, in an exceptional and extraordinary way and elevates the film because of that. And uh, it might not be the number one thing that I consider when I'm rating a review, but uh, when I'm, yeah, when I'm rating a review, but uh, it's definitely up there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a key part of deciding whether a film is a success or not. Number two, thematic resonance. This is, to me, I watch movies to, to feel stuff, to feel emotions. Now, whether that's 
whether I'm crying, I'm ugly crying like like in Coco, or or I'm like like in a state of tension for a horror movie, or uh, you know I'm excited and I'm like I got that adrenaline pump in in an action film or something. Uh, you know, you want to feel something with things, and that for me a lot of times boils down to the theme. If the theme of a film is something that connects with me on a personal level, then you know, then it is something that um, will ultimately cause me to give that film a higher marks to consider it a uh, on another level. And again, this is probably of all of this, this is probably one of the more subject, subjective parts of this is that sometimes, you know, what a film, what it connects to me as, a, as an individual might not, you know, interest someone. So the elements of Coco about family and about pursuing your art and, um, you know, about finding your place and finding the balance between those two and, uh, you know, while preserving the, the memories of those that have passed on, that kind of thing, or the elements of Star Wars and how it resonates with me because I have such a deep connection to to that franchise and that goes back to personal bias but going deeper the 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 grappling with what to what to learn from the past and from past generations and what to cast aside in order to find your own path and as someone who's you know a parent new parent and in in their 30s that trying to figure out who you are and sort of solidify the life the path that your life is going down is still something that really, really connects with me. So something like The Last Jedi, where other people would have been like, I just want to see Luke Skywalker, you know, swing a lightsaber back and forth like he has before. Um, you know, that whole storyline of Rey and Luke and the sort of generational clash going on there and the finding the marriage between forging a new path, letting the past die and killing it if you have to, and... Um, you know, bringing some elements of that back, whether it's the sacred Jedi texts or lessons that you learned from your parents or from your friends or from your significant other and taking that into your life and letting that inform who you are and what you choose to do with your life. Um, so for me, a theme, a film has to have, in order, it's really important to me if, if a film has themes that, that hit me and that resonate with me in on a personal, on a deep personal way. That's not, not necessarily going to say that I'm going to give a, a film five stars because it really connects with me personally because it does. I will still take into account the technical precision, the ambition, the rewatchability and the personal bias and all that stuff. But it's definitely it's definitely a, one of the biggest ones that can help me personally push a film over the edge. I can lift a film from four to four and a half stars to four and from four and a half to five or, uh, you know, elevate the experience for me as a uh, as a film critic and as a moviegoer in general, who wants, you know, wants to walk away, I want to walk away from a theater with an experience that I'm going to remember, with experience that made me think about myself, my life, the world around me, and see things in a little bit of a different way. And finally, number one, for me, number one criteria for rating a film is its execution. Now, what does that mean? That to me means whether, whether or not it's an ambitious film, if you're setting out to make a, you know, a family comedy or you're setting out to make a horror film or you're setting out to to fuck with people's minds if you're Aronofsky because that's pretty much all Aronofsky tends to do whether it's Mother or Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan, etc. Um, whether you achieve the intended effect. So for something like so for instance something like Paddington 2, for example. I'm not going to rate Paddington 2 the same way I'm going to rate 
you know, Call Me By Your Name or The Shape of Water or a, a totally, a vastly different film. You rate films on the basis of whether or not they're successful in whatever they set out to do. So for Paddington 2, it's setting out to be a charming family adventure. Does it do that without slipping into inane humor? With a, you know, does it tug at your heartstrings and actually, man, does it try and tug at your heartstrings and actually manage to do so? Does it feature, um, you know, committed performances or, uh, you know, creative visuals and that all that stuff? Or does the film have an energy to it and a sense of humor running throughout that the film knows what it's trying to be and it and it understands that and delivers on that front? This is why, you know, you can give something like, you can give a movie four and a half stars to a Marvel film and then turn around and like this quiet indie drama also get the same score because you're not saying this film is better than this film. You're saying this film is almost the best version that this film could be. So Captain America Civil War achieves everything that it's set out to do. It has, uh, you know, it managed to introduce new characters. It managed to push the overall story forward of the MCU and do some, you know, take some take a little bit of chances in there. It brings in, like I said, well, interesting new characters. Like it brought in Black Panther and Spider-Man and delivered action sequences and, uh, you know, a, a memorable twist that sort of cuts to the heart of this entire franchise and that believably severs the ties, uh, you know, largely between Captain America and uh, Iron Man. It, um, it, you know, it has a, a, a message that while set in this fantastical world where people have superpowers where a guy gets mad and turns into a green rage monster, it feels applicable to, you know, the, the, the fact of uh, accountability and what superhero, what do our life would be like if superheroes really existed and in a better way than something like Batman v Superman, which had those same kind of goals, but didn't execute them um, satisfactorily to me. So something like that, I think, you know, execution is, is really key and is really the most important thing. Does this film... Does this film achieve its goal? Does it, uh, you know, maybe if it's if it's ambitious, I might bump it up a little bit. But if it sets out to be a a you know a, a comedy or an action film, whatever genre it sets out to be, and whatever subgenre and whatever themes it's trying to get, this is really the one where everything sort of comes together. Whatever themes it's trying to get across, does it do that with, uh, you know, a level of at least competent level of technical precision? Does it, is it uh, ambitious? And by that, I guess in this case, I mean, is it different enough or is it just a retread? If it's just, if it's execution and it's trying for something, but it's just kind of sleepwalking through it. And we all know animated movies like this and, and movies in general like this. I feel like anime, pick on animated because I feel like we had a really uh, poor selection of uh, mainstream animated films last year with things like um, the Boss Baby and Despicable Me 3 and, and things like that that were really uh, underwhelming Le Lego Ninjago movie. Um, so do they do these all coalesce and are they all executed in a way that the story, the characters and everything comes together to uh, to create something that's truly special? To quote Snoke, I guess, a little bit. Uh, raw power. Um, so to me, the execution is really is really the most important thing. And, you know, my personal bias aside and whether a film is rewatchable and all that stuff, you know, for me, if a film, um, I guess, you know, covers all those bases, sets out what it tends to do and does so in, an, in a spectacular fashion, 
that's when a movie gets higher. That's four stars, four and a half stars, five stars even, which I rarely dole out these days. Um, but but that's for me, you know, a little bit of insight into my thought process when I'm writing reviews, when I'm, you know, talking about films on this podcast or uh, doing video reviews, which again, I need to get back to that, um, that kind of thing. This is, you know, I hope that this has been helpful in sort of giving you a little bit of an idea of what's running through my mind and how how I consider films and, um, you know, how I decide where I rate them on a one to five scale, whether it hits these six main criteria. Of course, there's other nuances and ways that I could probably have expanded this beyond six, but these are really the six main ones that I consider when I'm saying, well, that was an interesting movie. What did I think of it based on these main, uh, you know, this main checklist or, or, or of sorts as far as um, whether a film is, uh, is something that I would recommend to people. So again, I hope this has been helpful and uh, let me know if you, if you think so. That's all I have for now. This is actually one of the shorter episodes of the podcast. I wasn't intending on that, but I guess I got so passionate about talking about my process a little bit that I talked a little bit faster than I was anticipating. Um, you can rate and review the Crooked Table podcast on iTunes. We're also on Spotify and Stitcher. If you'd be so kind, find me, Robert Yanis Jr., on Twitter, at Crooked Table. Of course, you can find more podcast reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at CrookedTable.com. Next episode, I'm going to be talking about the Oscar nominations. And the reason I can pinpoint exactly what this uh, next episode is going to be about is that I'm going to record it very soon and probably get these two episodes up together. So um, until then, I've been Rob, and we'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED.